This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables. Dimitri loved anything more than the flavors of food. It was the customs that guided each recipe and gave meaning to each ingredient. No wonder he loved the new year, with its equally symbolic and tasty traditions. He has always been fascinated with how food connects people across the globe and even across time, as if this necessity of survival has more importance to humans than we even realize. Food is comfort. It's healing. It's precious. It's evocative. It's art. It's a relationship. So much more than just fresh fruit, Dimitri whispered as he held up a grapefruit in his hand. He had lined up 12 round fruits across one of the community tables at the original farmer's market in Los Angeles, one to represent each month of the new year. What's that? A young boy asked, causing Dimitri to jump slightly as he was so engrossed in his thoughts, letting the sweet citrus smell take him back to his youth when he lived in Asia. His parents had run many restaurants around the globe, with Dimitri always offering his hand in the kitchen. He could supreme an orange perfectly at just seven years old. This is tradition, Dimitri smiled as he replaced the grapefruit in line on the table and extended his arms like a master of ceremonies. Eating any round fruit is a common New Year's tradition around the world because the shape is like that of a coin and they each have some bit of sweetness to them. They bring prosperity and good luck for the new year. In the Philippines, the custom calls for 13, considered a lucky number. In Europe and here in the U.S., we use 12, representing the months in a year. No, but what is that? The boy pointed to a specific fruit near the middle of the table. Is it a strawberry? It's not round. Is it old? Old, yes, from ancient times. Held in high regard in its homeland, China. Dimitri picked up one of the walnut-sized spiky red fruits. He dug his fingernail into the leather skin and tore off one end to reveal the round, pearly white pulp inside. Lychee. Lychee! A few kids repeated between giggles as a crowd had gathered around the table. Dimitri pinched the unpeeled side and popped the pulp out onto his hand, the juice gathering in a small pool on his palm. The little boy stepped closer, looked at the fruit, then up at Dimitri with wide eyes. Dimitri nodded at the lychee, and the boy slowly extended his tiny finger and poked the fruit on Dimitri's palm. It jiggled slightly, and the kid retracted his hand, squishing his nose up into his face above an open-mouthed grin, tongue hanging out the front. Dimitri chuckled, then used his free finger to poke the other side of the fruit, licking the juice off his fingertip with a satisfied mm 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 The little boy, still smiling big and squinting slightly, licked his own fingertip. Again, he looked wide-eyed up at Dimitri. Yum, he said, looking around to the other kids briefly, then back at the lychee on Dimitri's palm. Surprised? Yes, well, just because something is new and unfamiliar does not mean it isn't wonderful. One must simply be willing to taste. 
Dimitri winked as he popped the lychee in his mouth, discreetly spitting out the small seed. He began peeling more of the lychee fruits on the table to pass around to the kids in the crowd as he spoke. Many varieties of lychees are named after wealthy and influential Chinese families. They have long carried weight in history and tradition, and hold great esteem today as they did in ancient time. In the Song Dynasty, from the year 960 to 1279 CE, the lychee was being widely celebrated in literature and poetry, such as by the famous Chinese poet Su Shi. It appeared in the first Chinese monograph on any fruit tree entitled On Lychees, written by Chinese scholar Kai Xiang, completed in the year 1059 CE. It described over 30 unique varieties of the lychee fruit. But of course, with such deep roots in history, the lychee has also had its fair share of folklore traveling with it through time. It is entangled in an epic love story from China, dating back to the Tang Dynasty, the golden age of Chinese arts and culture, in the years 618 to 906 CE. A time where a legendary romance between an emperor and a beautiful young woman, one of the four beauties of ancient China, led to the decline of a dynasty. A romance fueled by a love for lychee. Dimitri popped one more lychee into his mouth, licking his fingertips clean. As always, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri began his story. Dimitri spoke. At a time when men wooed women with flowers and poetry, one Chinese emperor chose a different path and a different sweet symbol of love. His name was Emperor Zhanzang. He is renowned for bringing the Tang Dynasty to its height of prosperity and grandeur during his rule from 712 to 756 CE. He owned a troop of dancing horses. He created the Imperial Music Academy. He welcomed Buddhist and Taoist ministers into his court. He had a passion for the beauty of culture, and yet it was his infatuation with beauty that eventually led to his downfall. The emperor fell in love with a gorgeous young woman, one of the most beautiful women in all of Chinese history. She was said to have a face that would shame any flower and was able to melt one's heart with her coquettish smile. Her name was Yang Gaifei. From the first instant he saw her, the emperor fell under Yang's spell. He quickly established her importance in his court and lavished all of his time on her with feasts and parties. Her influence grew with each day, and many of her relatives were made officials in the court and appointed to positions of command in order to please her. His eyes could never gaze on her enough, so much so that he started neglecting his royal duties and affairs, preferring instead to spend his time in her company. While his gaze was fixed upon her, He could not see the resentment growing among his followers, who knew quite well that they were being overlooked. Yang had a passion of her own, lychees. She loved the sweet, floral, tropical flavor of the little fruit pearls. Nothing brought her so much joy as to savor their delightful, exotic taste. At the time, lychees were not available at the capital where they lived, but that did not stop the emperor in the least. He would send his men all the way to South China, 500 miles away, just to fetch the fruit for his beloved. However, the lychees could not be kept for long and could spoil quickly, so the emperor demanded that they be transported by horseback without stopping. Only a few rest stations were set up along the road, but were meant only for changing out the horses. 
His men and the horses were pushed to the brink of exhaustion. Just to win the smile of one woman, begrudging whispers spread throughout the capital. What about our women, our smiles? What do we get from our leader? But with eyes only for Yang, the emperor continued to woo her with Li Qi, a symbol of his enduring love for his young beauty. While the emperor turned a blind eye to the weakness of his men and a deaf ear to the rumblings of his people, someone else took great notice. A warlord from the northern province could sense the emperor's weakness. The warlord mounted a rebellion, backed by a force of 200,000 men who were inspired by his loyalty, much unlike the emperor. The rebellion occupied the capital in 755 CE, forcing the emperor and his soldiers to flee. The emperor intended to escape with Yang by his side, but his men had other plans. She is the reason for all of this, they raged. Her and her ill-appointed cousins. The dynasty is falling, and for what? Leeches? This is not love. The men refused to protect the emperor if he did not agree to leave Yang behind, abandoned at the first rest station. Of course he refused, burying his face in his hands, a physical denial of his current place. But when he finally opened his eyes again, he found that Yang had fled on her own, fearing that the soldiers would harm them both if she stayed. The emperor managed to escape the rebellion, but he never got over the loss of Yang Gaifei. He tried to find her, retrieve her, and bring her back by his side, but she was never found. Some years later, he erected a memorial tomb in her honor and died a broken-hearted man. In line with the tragic love story, the dynasty started on a steady decline, never to regain its former glory. All in part because of a beautiful young woman and her love of lychee fruit. This love story and all its players, including Lichi, inspired many poets and artists to come, such as the great poet of China, Bai Jui, who narrated the tragic romance in his poem, The Song of Unending Sorrow, in 809 CE. In present day, Yang is known as one of the four beauties, women of ancient China renowned for their legendary loveliness and their charming influence over great emperors and kings. And the lychee fruit is still admired for its delightfully charming and exotic flavors, still eaten in celebration of the Lunar New Year, symbolizing the legendary love story of Emperor Zhanzong and Yang Gaifei. The End Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and local market shares on the Specialty Produce app. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>